This is episode number 116 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jesse. I'm jumping in here quickly before today's show with a very exciting update. The annual spring class of the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy is opening for registration on May 7th, 2020. The Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy is my fully online course for practitioners and people who want to learn how to more effectively coach postpartum clients and patients in exercise activities and in their pelvic health function while helping them care for their whole health. Over the past three and a half years, there have been over 500 students from around the world who have gone through the academy. Our students are personal trainers, group fitness instructors, physical therapists, pelvic health physios, chiropractors, and a variety of other health and movement professionals and non-professionals alike. The PFSA will give you a vast and solid foundation on coaching and training postpartum people through 10 modules of step-by-step video, written, and audio training that will turn you into a confident postnatal specialist in about three hours of learning per week, training guides for each stage of the postnatal journey from zero to three weeks all the way through the first year and beyond of postpartum, systems for specific activities like a 12-week return to running program, guidelines for moms who have had C-sections, are experiencing diastasis recti and pelvic organ prolapse, and multiple bonuses including a done-for-you six to eight-week group training class format so you can start generating revenue straight away for in-person or online training. Get yourself on the wait list now at jessiemundell.com forward slash PFSA2020 to gain early access to enrollment and to save over $100 on your registration. That is linked in today's show notes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And today we have such a special guest returning to the podcast, Aaron Hinton, who is a counselor specializing in work with relationships and couples, parents, parents-to-be. So Aaron, thank you so much for being back with us. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm super excited to be here. It hasn't been that long since we last chatted, but I sent you a message to say that I think we should do an emergency podcast episode on all things 
coronavirus and COVID and how that is impacting people personally, but then of course in their relationships as well too. So that's what we are going to dive into today. I'm really interested to hear about what you are hearing and seeing in your sessions with your people. And then we'll also bring in some questions that are coming up from my clients and community and it all is running along the same theme. So let's get right into it. First of all, how are you doing amidst all of this? I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm just like everyone else. Um, I, I find that I oscillate back and forth between really enjoying the slow time and enjoying sleeping in and not having to like, you know, all those transitions that as like parents are so challenging, getting our kids up and dressed and fed and out the door. I'm enjoying that slow time. Um, 2019 was a year where, um, you know, we bought a new home. My husband got a new job. Um, we were traveling lots. And so we didn't get a lot of time together. So we're actually kind of enjoying this time together, the two of us and the time together as a family. And then I have those moments where I'm like, holy shit, what does this mean? What does this mean for the world? What does this mean for my community? What does this mean for my city? What does this mean for my business? What does this mean for my family? And, um, and that's, I think where a lot of us are kind of living in between like the day to day and then the like kind of global, like, oh my gosh, what is, what's happening and what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. There are such big real impacts of this that we can imagine, but we can see on some level already happening right now and we're recording this in early April. So we're already seeing the impacts of it, but yeah, it just feels like we've heard this so much in the media, but so uncertain and unprecedented times and wondering what all is to come, which is not useful in a lot of ways to think of all that is to come, but it is impossible to not let your brain go there to some degree. And you kind of have to, to some degree in order to prepare yourself for what might be. Okay. Let's get into it. So many questions for you again on what you are seeing in your patient sessions and then just general advice that you might have for us in managing all this COVID stuff and how it is playing into our lives and relationships so intimately. Question number one, I want to know if you are seeing this, because I'm hearing this from my clients a lot in their personal lives, if they're experiencing this difference in terms of how serious to take COVID and the social distancing and the isolation requirements. One of my clients sent in this specific question. She said, negotiating the differences in social distancing with extended family. For example, some grandkids going to visit at the grandparents, but other grandkids are not because their parents don't feel comfortable. So that's one small example, but I bet a lot of people are going through the same thing. So how do we handle this? <clears throat> Such a good one. And something that I don't want to say this surprised me because it maybe shouldn't have surprised me. But it's something that's such a common thread that I'm seeing with my individual clients, with the couples that I'm working with. And, and again, like, um, like your follower or client said, um, it's happening within families and, and I'm seeing it amongst my own family. Uh, and so 
it's interesting because it's a really emotional topic. Um, when it comes down to following rules and guidelines, I think we all fall in different areas along the spectrum in terms of how comfortable we are, you know, breaking rules or going against advice or limiting or exposing ourselves to something that might be risky. And we all um, have different experiences that are informing where we fall on that spectrum. And so I think that makes this a quite like passionate topic for people to talk about. And what I've noticed among my entrepreneur friends um, who were doing in-person work was they were getting a lot of shame and judgment for still working, even when we were kind of being um, told that we should be distancing and limiting our exposure and the amount of time we were going out. So I, I noticed that kind of stuff going on and really impacting people personally because they're thinking to themselves like, I'm not breaking any laws here. I, I feel like what I'm doing is safe. I feel like I know who I'm exposed to and I feel like it's low risk. And then other people are there going, well, you know, what if you know someone who's immunocompromised, my dad's immunocompromised or I'm immunocompromised. And so you see how we're all coming from these different places. And then, um, so I think that's a hard thing. I think it's a hard thing because uh, people tend to start to feel that judgment. They start to feel like, oh gosh, like people are watching what I'm doing and I'm doing something wrong or um, I'm doing something that other people don't think is right. So that's really, really uncomfortable to sit with. Um, and then when it's happening within your own family, when it's happening within your relationship, I know, um, friends and family and clients who have partners who are considered essential workers right now, who are healthcare providers, who are frontline workers, um, who don't have a choice, uh, to self-isolate or stay at home. Um, that's bringing up some really tense and difficult conversations within couples and within families of, I think you should quit your job, or I think you should live in the basement for the next three months, or, um, you know, I don't think you should go to this meeting or go do this thing. And so, you know, when we're, when we're also talking about relationships where one person is a nurse or a doctor, that's a completely different mindset and training and kind of core value set these people have. So, you know, that brings up some tricky stuff too, of when you say to your partner, who's a nurse or a doctor, I don't feel comfortable with you going into work. You know, that's really hitting upon some, some big stuff there. So, um, and then you've got like, you know, family members that are still maybe going out to eat and hanging around with friends and going to other people's houses and then coming to your home and, um, where I've seen that show up in relationships is with in-laws and with one partner saying, it's kind of your job to tell your parents they can't come over because as a family, we've decided we're limiting our exposure. And then one partner is like, well, I don't want to be the person who has to say to my parents, don't come over. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And then it turns into a fight. So that was a really long winded response. I'm seeing it everywhere, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's very emotionally based. It's a passionate topic and it's rooted in a lot of like different spaces, trauma, core beliefs, past experiences and on and on. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So interesting. So 
Randy and I have kind of been having this conversation to some degree. He is a firefighter. And so he is on the front lines of this, going to work, going in for shifts. And we've been really talking about how uh, how serious to take it when he comes in the door from work like what are all the precautions to be taking and for me I feel like I would want him to take some more precautions and he feels okay taking the precautions that he is taking so it is just in finding some compromise really in that small scenario like you said, the doctors and the nurses who then have to isolate from their families. And how do you have that, that conversation about not getting to see your kids for the next three months or getting to hug them? Violence, attendance. Yeah. 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 It's really big, tricky well, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. Talking about not seeing your kids or... Um, or potentially not going to your job. Like these, these are really, really big things. And one of the things right away that um, I kind of started uh, looking at around this in terms of like stepping into this topic is the first thing to consider is the context. So if it's a person like you went to high school with and they're like on your Facebook, throwing shade in your comment section, is that a, is that a relationship that, that's worth getting into about this sort of stuff? I would say probably not for me. That would be something I would back away from and I would choose not to get into that or entertain that back and forth. However, if the context is your spouse or your partner or a sibling or a parent, um, that context is way different. That is a significant relationship in your life. And so the way we show up when navigating this type of difficult conversation is exactly what you said, Jesse. Like, how do we have these conversations with curiosity? Tell me more about why you feel comfortable with these precautions. Um, tell me more about why you're worried about this. Why do you feel you're at risk? Tell me what that feels like for you. Because um, we'll get into another thing that I think is coming up oftentimes too that really um, I think curiosity can help with. Um, but being curious, uh, being able to get to like the core, the root, the emotion that's like driving the fear that's driving the behavior. Um, and, and then it's how can we bend and flex to give people the benefit of the doubt, to compromise a little bit, to be okay with letting go of certain things, to like honor and take our partner, our family members word for it. If they really feel good in the precautions they're taking. Um, and so that's a hard place to be too. What I know with the couples work I do and just being a human being in relationships as well is compromise is super hard and letting go of some of that stuff is really challenging too. Um, but always putting the relationship first. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's great advice. I feel like this whole thing is such a big exercise in testing your relationship with control. <laughs> Uh, and it's so uncomfortable for all of us to some degree, but as you were saying that, it just made me realize that this is just another one of those spots where we can really feel like we want to have a tight grip on control for some of these aspects that we might not actually have that much control over in the end. Like well, this, this whole situation. Is, this is a collective experience yeah. for all of us in letting go of control. And for some, that's way easier than for others. Mm -hmm. 
and it, it's happening on a large scale and it's like happening all the way down into our homes, right? In those little areas, you know, with us and our kids, <laughs> um, with us and our partners and yeah, control is, you know, I'm so glad you put that word out there because that's a huge thing I think most of us are struggling with right now is like, we're holding tight to the things we feel like we can manage and that we can control because so much feels like we can't. And that's so normal. It's so normal. Um, and it, it can border on not feeling functional and not feeling okay and feeling like it's hurting us and, and, and eroding our relationships, but it's so normal. And so like, if you are experiencing that, just some compassion too, that like, this is hard. Absolutely. Yeah. And these are not quote unquote normal circumstances. None of us know how to do this well or okay. We're all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, really. One thing that I have been hearing come up with my clients again and again is now that people are in their homes a lot, a lot more, and especially with their partner in relationship a lot more, they're really noticing that themselves and their partner or partners are managing anxiety, stress, this overwhelm in different ways. And they have different ways of coping. And now being in this confined space with each other, with little outlets to leave and give, you know, very little literal space to each other to manage during this time feels very difficult. So what do you say to the people in partnerships when they are managing in different ways than their partner and they might be having a difficult time with how their partner is managing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I think for most of us, when you've been in a long-term committed relationship, you really get the sense that like, oh, I know that person. Like, I know what that face means. I know what that tone means. I know what they're going to do at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. I know... I know all of this, right? And so we really lose, again, I come back to that idea of curiosity, that place of being curious. What's going on for you? How are you feeling? How are you dealing with this? You know, I was talking to a couple the other day where, you know, in their relationship, the dynamic is that one of them is the highly stressed out one. And the other one is the calm, cool, relaxed one that's always like trying to helping to bring the other person down. In this place, the highly stressed partner hasn't even noticed now that now her partner is quite stressed. And so that's been very confusing. So it's throwing a lot of people through a loop where they're like, uh, uh, okay, this is changing the dynamic in our relationship. I thought I was the nervous rabbit <laughs> over here and you were like the rock and, um, and that's changing. And that can really make us super uncomfortable. Like if you don't have your shit together, who has their shit together here? And so really just like, I think that curiosity is so important. Hey, and and this comes like with regular check-ins. This is something that like I'm doing in my relationship. I'm encouraging everyone I'm working with to do is like, whether it's every night, whether it's every day at lunch or in the morning, or if your partner's still going off to work, sending a quick text message and checking in, opening up that channel for communication. How are you doing today? What do you need? How can we help you get those needs met? Do you need a break? Do you need downtime? Do you need to get outside? Do you need to go for a drive? Um, you know, and having to get real, do you need to go down and do like a yoga workout in the basement? 
Do you need to phone your friend? Like, do you need a shower? All of these things, um, checking in and making sure that we're just having these conversations regularly. Because what may look like someone who's coping really well may not actually be what's happening under the surface. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, that I'm really encouraging is just that regular check-in with curiosity and starting to be curious too about your own needs. Um, what sort of needs do you have right now that um, are harder to meet than they typically are um, when we're not on lockdown, essentially? Um, and how can you get those needs met? And how do you know when you're starting to feel depleted? Um, how do you check in with yourself? How do you create that space for yourself? And how do you bring it to your partner? Because, you know, again, another really common thing, and this probably isn't a surprise to most people that I see in, in relationships is that assumption that our partner can read our mind and that they should just know what we need and they should know why we're mad and they should know why we're tired and know why we're pissed off and like, know why we're, you know, banging around the house. And the fact of the matter is most of the time we don't know and we just have to talk about it. Getting creative too about how you're meeting those needs. I've heard really cool things from some of the couples I've worked with. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Like drive to Canmore just to drive, you know, to blast the music and be alone. Like there's, there's all sorts of interesting things people are doing that are helping. You know, they're not maybe the most ideal, but they're helping. I love that. We took the kids for a drive just around our small town last week one day because just just that change of scenery and also kids strapped into their car seats sometimes is really nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. You really can't grab the toy that just fell under the seat. Exactly. I also think that suggestion of checking in regularly is so important right now because you're talking about this previously, but it feels like things just change on a dime so quickly day to day. And for me, I think of it in the morning. As soon as I hear one kid start to wake up from upstairs, I'm downstairs working early before them. I'm like, okay, everyone aboard the roller coaster. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just up and down all day long. So while 9am could be feeling okay by 1pm, things might be falling apart by that point. Yeah. So it's the regular check-in that seems super key right now. Okay. Next up parenting expectations. I have seen this come up a ton on social media and we'll get into really like the mother load of COVID-19 and what that all means because I think that this is so real and that we're seeing this across families and houses and industries too. But let's talk about parenting specifically. So what are you seeing in your sessions with now perhaps parents being at home more so together and what this new dynamic of parenting together looks like in the ways that we might be struggling in this? Mm -hmm. um, well, first of all, it's that lack of structure that is, I think, the thing that is hitting everyone uh, and, and hit everyone right away is like, okay, like we literally have the whole day and we can't go anywhere and we can't do anything. And if one parent's working or both people are working, 
um, your op options in terms of entertaining your kids and parenting in general change drastically. And so some of the things I'm seeing are uh, really parents having to challenge these stories that they have, the stories that they tell themselves around who a good parent is and what a good parent does. And this is coming up again, not surprisingly around screen time, around, um, you know, access to technology and devices around expectation in terms of uh, getting dressed, brushing teeth, like the simple things, eating healthy, bedtimes, wake up times, all of that sort of stuff. Parents are really having to challenge the stories they tell themselves around what a good family looks like, what a good household looks like, what, you know, what a good mom or a good dad does during the day. Um, and so I've been encouraging people to let that go. Um, I know for me, it started that Sunday, I think at 4.30, we got, the, we got the notification from our school district that school would not be running, that school was going to be closed. And I think it was Monday morning, I'm not even joking, that I started to see the Instagram posts of the whiteboards with the schedules and the activities. And I immediately was just like, F that. Like I, that's just, that's not me if that's you. That's really, really great. But I felt this also sinking feeling of, oh my gosh, like, is this what I, am I gonna have to be that mom now that like, has all of these activities and does all of the crafts and lists everything out and has a reward system and all that. That's just like not my, that's not who I am. That's not how our family runs. And so that I think has been something that's been really stressful for parents too. Is like, oh, well, Sally down the street is doing, you know, song time every day. And they, they're, you know, bringing in experts on Zoom to teach their kids Spanish and, you know, they're doing this and that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So modifying your um, exposure to social media that's not serving you in any way. This is something I'm, I've always talked to clients about, but right now in particular, um, that's, that comparison is really powerful and seeing what other people are doing in their homes and how other people are managing this and we're making assumptions and we're comparing ourselves based upon that. So that's something um, to pay attention to. Um, and then I think what's also happening is if one parent is the kind of primary parent uh, or the stay-at-home parent and the other parent has typically been the go-to-work parent, if they're now working from home, they're getting a really interesting insight into what home looks like with little kids in terms of noise level, mess level, um, you know, energy level, and uh, like screen time and all of that sort of stuff. And so I, I'm seeing it even out, but in that first week, there was a lot of, shouldn't you be doing this with the kids right now? Or can't they keep it quiet? Or what, what about this? Or what about that? And so I'm actually seeing a really cool trend towards that going away partner, oftentimes the male partner, um, really stepping in and starting to take responsibility for some of the schoolwork, starting to trade back and forth the parenting time. And I think um, that's been kind of a cool thing that I've seen. 
Um, I'm kind of just rambling at this point as things are popping into my mind. Do any questions pop up for you as I keep going? Oh, I love that. I think what was so apparent to me too, like you were saying, school in our area said Sunday afternoon, closed indefinitely by Monday morning. It's all the posts from primarily women with the scheduling and the homeschooling and all the stuff. And it was at that moment that I was like, huh, interesting. Haven't seen any dads posting about the scheduling or the homeschooling or all the stuff. So I'm seeing and hearing this from my clients a lot that now that so many of their lives have been shifted in these major ways with two parent families, both parents being at home, they are feeling even more load with being the person who is then also trying to schedule the kids throughout the day, even if they are also working a full-time job. How do they manage this? Oh, oh, absolutely. And it's that frustration around the mental load that you're looking at your partner going, they're like snoring, they're asleep. And I'm here thinking, oh my gosh, like we have to keep on top of letter recognition. And I got to make sure that I look up that link that my sister sent to me yesterday. And, you know, we got to make sure that everyone's getting dressed and looks like a functioning member of society every day. Um, and, and, and on and on and on. And it's that mental load. You're right. It's just being compounded and added upon. And so I think this is a great opportunity particularly if your partner is at home now and they're not typically at home, that if you are sitting down and having those conversations, those check-ins around me, this is a great opportunity to bring that up. Hey, our whole lives have been turned upside down. Neither one of us need to know what to do right now. Schooling is not something that has ever been part of my responsibility. What if we took this on together, right? Um, how does it look like, what does it look like if you take on, you know, this task and I take on this task. Can you take this over? And not just like say, yes, I'll help. Because what we know then as women is that's just another thing to add to our list is remind my partner that they said they wanted to help with this or tell them that it's time to go do this. That is not conducive. That does not help. Most of the partners I know want to be helpful. They just are not fully taking over and taking ownership and responsibility for the entire task so that the other partner can actually let it go. So I think it's a great opportunity for that sort of stuff right now um, to, to have those discussions. And right away, as soon as I found out that school was canceled, I immediately got onto my Instagram and was just like, if you are working at home with your partner, if your partner is now home full time, if you're both working from home full time, no matter what it looks like, if you are now spending more time at home right now, tonight, you need to have a conversation around expectations and boundaries. What are the expectations? Where are you going to work? Where am I going to work? What are our hours of work? How quiet does the house need to be? When do you have meetings? Who's going to feed the kids lunch? How much screen time do we feel comfortable with for the kids? How do we let go of, you know, our comfort level in terms of how clean the house is or what types of meals we're eating? I mean, when we can have these conversations right away, we do have to kind of let go of the outcome a little bit. And know that when we set some of these expectations, they may not always come to fruition. They may not always work out that way. But as long as we're putting it out there, I mean, th that is a, one of the most helpful things couples can do. And I think we talked about this as well in the, in the last podcast around 
you know, just putting out there what your thoughts are, what your hopes are, what you feel comfortable with, what's in your mind in terms of what you need and what you're thinking might happen. Because um, that resentment just skyrockets. And I know so many people are feeling that right now. Yes, that reminder about having your expectations known and understanding your partner's expectations. I mean, it feels like there's nothing quite as helpful as that. Randy and I reworked the rest of our schedule for the month of April today because his work schedule is starting to change this week moving forward for the rest of this pandemic period. And uh, by the end of this week, which I think was our third week in basically self-isolation, social distancing, I was like, nope, cannot keep going at that pace. I can feel myself burning out and it's not going to be okay for me or for anyone else. So we have to change things. And so it's just setting that expectation, writing it on the calendar, literally like here are my work hours. I'll be in the basement. Don't call me. <laughs> you can figure it out. I know you can figure it out and it will be yes, different. And going to that extent. Don't call me. Don't let the kids come down the stairs. Like yeah. huge. Yes, exactly. And I know that it will be difficult because his shift schedule is demanding. This is a high stress time for people, again, working at the front lines of this, and we have no childcare. So whatever he does with them during that time that he's on duty, cool. It is what it is. It's going to be good enough. I don't need to manage whatever might be happening during that time. I love your reminder about questioning what good parenting looks like during this period or ever, or what a good mom or what a good dad is. Like at some point we really have to unpack that stuff and figure out where it's coming from. And if it is even serving us all. Well, tension arises when we are trying to fit our life into a story that doesn't match up. And we inherit those stories, right? from our parents, from TV, you know, when we were younger, things we saw, um, things our friends are doing, social media, messaging from like our church or um, our community. And so if you are feeling like the shoulds all the time, like I should be doing better, I should be able to stay on top of this, that is usually a sign. Hmm, I have some reworking to do of my story around whatever it is that I'm telling myself and it usually sounds like a good mom or a good business owner or a good husband, a good wife. And when we can, when we can align that story where it's like a good mom is, it takes it day by day or a good mom has a messy house or a good mom doesn't always have her shit together. Like whatever that sounds like, um, you'll notice the more you start to repeat the, yourself that you feel your like blood pressure go down a little bit. You're like, Oh, yeah, because then, like, if I saw a, my friend doing something that maybe didn't fit into that story, am I going to say she's a bad mom? No, we're so hard on ourselves. We're way harder on ourselves than we would be on anyone else. Um, and it, something popped up for me in regards to the expectations in fact, Oh, I know what I was going to say. I didn't want to forget to mention this because this is something that I think is uh, another really powerful kind of tool that we can use, but it's building a culture of appreciation inside our homes, um, particularly in our relationship with our partner. And that's one thing 
that I think is important to pay attention to right now um, because we're together all the time. Uh, the hope is we can be like making deposits into that like collective emotional bank account between the two of us because we're together a lot. But because we're together a lot, there's also going to be a lot of uh, withdrawals that will come out of that bank account from frustration, not getting your needs met, miscommunication, just kind of being on top of each other all the time. Um, and so it's really important just to say thank you. Like you said about Randy, like when he's upstairs parenting the kids, good on him, whatever he's doing. Right. And then how do we say to our partner, thank you so much for looking after the kids while I was downstairs doing work or thank you for coming up with an idea for dinner tonight. I'm so burnt out from thinking of recipes or thank you so much for scheduling that phone call with our friends tonight. Like, you know, after this crazy week, that was the last thing I thought about. Little tiny things, just say, thank you for putting the dishes away. Thank you for doing this. When we build that like culture within our homes where there's gratitude and there's acknowledgement and there's appreciation, it just changes everything. Um, and when we feel that appreciation back, it's like, oh, my partner is acknowledging the sacrifice I'm making or the work that I'm doing or the effort that I've made. And so we're going to also hold our partner in a positive perspective in our mind and all that stuff. You can just Google it's John Gottman's work, culture of appreciation, emotional bank account, the positive perspective. These are all parts of his sound relationship house, which is the way he conceptualizes a relationship. And he's so generous with all of his stuff. So um, yeah, I just wanted to add that in there that like, paying attention to how we're talking to each other, how we're thinking about our partner and how we're giving appreciation. It's really helpful right now and always. Awesome. I really, really love that. The very last thing I want to ask you about is something that has been weighing heavily on my heart and just knowing that home is potentially not a safe place for many people in relationships to be. What advice do you have for those people? Yeah, that's a really, really tough one. I know um, I know a lot of us have been keeping that in our minds, also thinking about children who are in unsafe homes. Um, and so I think really, at least I can speak for myself personally, and I'm hearing this from friends and family and, and the people I'm surrounded with, that now we're realizing how powerful our community is more than ever. And we're realizing... I think in a way how distant we are from our neighbors and from what's happening right down the street, what's happening in our schools, what's happening in our friends of friends, families. And so I think the best thing we can do is again, be curious and not be afraid to reach out to these people. If you have knowledge or even a suspicion that a friend or a family member or a colleague or someone you are connected with might be struggling right now and might be in an unsafe situation, reach out. I don't think, you know, so often we tell ourselves it's weird. I don't really have that relationship with them or, you know, I don't want to be intrusive. This is this idea of being too intrusive into people's lives. I can't tell you how damaging it is. Um, when we refrain from what really might feel uncomfortable um, because we don't know what to say, what we're doing is we're putting our own need for comfort first. So if you can reach out to those people and it doesn't have to be anything, you know, big and heavy, just, Hey, checking in on you. How are things? Um, there are things we can do. We can walk with people. You know, we went for a walk with a family member the other day, they stayed on the street and we stayed on the sidewalk. 
and we maintained such distance, but we were able to have such connection. Can you drop food off to that person? Can you make a phone date with them? Or sorry, like a FaceTime date or a Zoom date with them so you can see them in person. There's something about that face-to-face -face interaction. Yes, it's not in person, but you can still pick up on facial expressions. You can pick up on the tension in a room even by seeing someone's face. So if you can connect with someone like that, beautiful. There are resources out there. There's women's shelters. There's other people's home that I think in, in a time like COVID, screw COVID. Like if you're not, if you're not safe, you leave that house. Um, and so I think being open with that sort of stuff, I've seen people sharing things on their social media, just kind of acknowledging that this is a hard time that I think can signal I'm a safe place. You can talk to me about this. Um, and that's, I think the best we can do. And then how do we carry? And I think journaling right now, not to add to people what they're doing, but I'm not a journaler, but I'm a jotter. Like I put stuff down, I draw stuff. I, I like to kind of get my thoughts out there. Write down some of the sentiments you're having right now because you might want you now to remember, you in the future to remember what you now thought was really important or something that you wanted to get involved in after kind of the gates open up and we're all able to be together again. So what does that look like in terms of continuing connection, continuing social engagement with your community, continuing that sort of stuff? outside of this. That's really helpful. Thank you so much. Any, any last words of wisdom for us? <laughs> I just want everyone to know you're doing the best you can. I truly believe as humans, we are always doing the best we can. And it looks so different. And a hundred years ago, even 20 years ago, we wouldn't have known just how different that looked. And so we'd sleep a lot better. <laughs> but right now we're comparing ourselves and just have compassion and gentleness and permission to do things the way you're doing things and that that's okay. Thank you so much for yeah. this emergency counseling session for us all. I'm always here. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 